0: Content warning for this week's episode. Subject matter will include drug use, death, and sexual content. Please be advised. If you find this content is not for you, we completely understand. And we hope to have you return with our next episode. My name is Peter Davison. I played the Fifth Doctor. And you're listening to the Five-ish Fangirls. we continue all the way to episode 444 of the 5-ish fangirls podcast you say it's your birthday well it's not my my birthday but as we're recording this actually my birthday is two months from today so yay (laughs) not that i'm counting oh Mm -hmm. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. So, like Joyce join us, let's start off like a virtual table and see who's joined us this week. This
1: is Brittany and Bobadale. This is Holly from Wisconsin. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, everyone. Hello. And I had to remember alphabetical order real quick because i like, I don't want to jump the gun like I did that one time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it doesn't. It doesn't help that
0: uh, that uh, Chrissy had to bow out at the last minute. But you it, know, is. it is what it is. Yeah, Children yes. get sick when they uh-huh. get sick, and uh, they don't care if nope. you had other things to do. <laughs> so, if, if, if they want mama, that trumps. Yep. <laughs> yep. I just hope Chrissy does not catch Lottie's cold. Yes. And that ends yes. up sick that... over the holidays because that would suck.
1: Yes. Send yeah, both to both to mama and Lottie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like do all the cuddling you need to do to, to, to make Lottie feel better, but at the same time bathe and hand sanitizer, Chrissy. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Echinacea tea immune booster when <laughs> Yes. When she's down.
0: scrub 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 scrub. <sighs> So yeah, Mm -hmm. it would be the three of us. So yes, but we shall carry on, uh, our wayward sons. Um,
1: (laughs) rock band,
0: rock band. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) So I got the reference. Got the reference. Worked.
0: All right, first up, the news not a whole lot of news, but just a little bit, which yeah. is yeah, first bit that makes me excited because, uh, strict straight from the horse's mouth, uh, they have confirmed we are getting season three of Good Omens. Yay!
1: I could hear the screaming all the way when I saw the post, and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And the fandom collectively
0: squealed and set let out a big sigh of relief uh-huh, right. we are going to get resolution of some uh-huh. sort. Uh-huh. Well, and they
1: were also doing in some in live action. With, yes. They were also doing some squeeing with the um posts from was it Georgia, the yeah. uh, Sheen Tenant family. Apparently, <laughs> apparently they're pre- they're they're
0: they're gonna get a head start and um you know, just yeah, the fans and the fan fiction are going to have a field day with the Christmas
1: photos we've got we've gotten the last few days. <laughs> yeah, uh, and my thing in the chat when you po- when you responded, what in the heck is on his head? <laughs> and then me responding with the uh, river song gift and <laughs> my guess, huh? The the what the name of the insanity? (laughs) Oh yes, Michael's hat. Yes, and the Uh, the inner river song
0: came out immediately. (laughs) Like what in the name of insanity do you have on your head? And me without. And he looks so proud of himself (laughs) too.
1: Uh, He does. And and, and David was just like, okay, I'm going with it, but why?
0: (laughs) It's I guess one thing to all have the matching Christmas jumpers. Yeah. But really, Michael, the hat—that
1: really, was
0: the lily. A <laughs> little bit. Well, oh, I think I think he's thir- I think he thoroughly wants to be both embarrassing dad and embarrassing like weird uncle. Yep. To all the tenant children.
1: Yes, <laughs> and embarrassing co-star. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm pretty sure David's used to it, so.
1: The
2: yeah. thing is,
1: we're they're probably all used to it. That's the thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Martin's you know, hey, can you talk to RTD about me possibly having a cameo in one of those spin-offs? Mhm. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, <Yeah.
0: laughs> so, fun times at voice? the lots of fun times at the what did what did, what did Georgia call it? The sheen Sheen Lud, yes, Ludd, it was Ludd, a... Sheen Lud tenant Lundtent household. Ye- so yeah, it was a mouth. I'm like, okay, whatever yeah. works. It's a, it's a, Okay, that Michael. I think this is your sign. You need to make an honest woman out of Anna. Mm-hmm. And she could, therefore, it could just be the Sheen tenant. yeah, you know, brood. <laughs> so yes. I mean, if anyone wants to keep her last name that she has now, for professional reasons, that's fine. But it does kind of make it a mouthful that she's the one with the different last name compared to everybody else. Just saying. You've had two children with her. Make her an honest woman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we are getting season two of, uh, of Good Omens. So that's rather exciting for better for worse right now it's exciting and then i remember that neil gaiman has told us that we will get a satisfying resolution but not necessarily a happy one
1: so (laughs) yeah that's why did you have to go ahead and do that yeah (laughs) if like you do
0: know that like 99.99999% of the fandom only wants one way this is going to end right right <laughs> and if
1: we don't get it we're we going to riot. Mm-hmm. how is that saying going? Right? right at dawn yep
0: <laughs> yep grab your grab your cups of tea we write it on so. yes but until then, we'll just sit back and wait and reread the book and re-watch the first two seasons and consume all the other Good Omens paraphernalia out there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Including the buttload of fan fiction, so,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm
0: sure Neil will steal from at least a little bit. <laughs> Alright, speaking of TV, among other things, if somehow miss this uh thank you shalane for pointing it out but we had awards season is starting again because we have the golden globe nominations that apparently were announced last monday and we somehow missed that <laughs> it's like they didn't make a big deal out of it or something i don't know usually that stuff appears on my feeds in several places i don't know Um. But, uh, of course, the Golden Globes uh, celebrates both TV and film. And um, in the film wing of nominations, when it comes to Best Picture and the like, it is split into two categories. Drama and comedy slash musical. So, this is one of those where two really good movies could win Best Picture doesn't necessarily equate to what will happen in the Academy Awards. That being said, Barbie did get 10 nominations, making it the second most nominated in the history of the Golden Globes, tying it with Cabaret. So that's cool. Uh, and then obviously Barbie is going to be in the musical slash comedy category and then Oppenheimer, which you know was the other big one of the summer, got eight nominations, so... Um, And then, of course, TV. A lot of the stuff that I don't watch. (laughs) That I think most of us don't watch. (laughs) Like, Succession, and... The Bear, The Last of Us, Ted Lasso. Mm. You know, it's like, I recognize the names, I just don't watch them, so... But... Uh, and then they've also made a few changes there are uh, each category now has six nominees instead of five and there are two new awards uh, box office achievement aka ticket sales and stand up comedy performance but yeah this uh, this will give us at least a good indication of where awards are leaning if not at Mm -hmm. least as far as nominees again may not necessarily help when making those oscar predictions early next year um, because the globes last year gave the the two best picture awards to the fablemans and the banshees of (laughs) insherin so and of course everything everywhere all at once won the oscar for best picture so yes so, yeah. Uh, let's see anything? Of course I'm expecting Barbie to win Best Picture Musical or Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh Of course Greta Gerwig gets directing nomination for Barbie. yay Uh Uh, do? Uh Course, uh, you know, in the drama category, you've got Oppenheimer, you've got colours cat- of killers of the flower moon, anything Scorsese attaches himself to is automatically gonna mm-hmm. get a lot yep. of nominations. So uh, surprisingly enough, uh, oh no, they put him in Supporting actor. Interesting. I was going to say Ryan Gosling didn't get nominated for Barbie. No, he's in the supporting actor category. Interesting.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: Let's see. Television series. Again, drama. They separate drama. Musical comedy. Uh, The Crown. Yay. uh, For drama. Uh, Only Murders in the Building. For musical or comedy. So yay. Uh, Of course, our... uh, our leads in the crown, Dominic West, uh, who plays Prince Charles and uh, Imel- uh, Melda Staunton, who's playing uh, Queen Elizabeth II in the crown. So that's good. Selena Gomez finally getting an acting nod for Only Murders in the Building. About time. Finally. Of course, our two, her two gentlemen leads get nominations as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Are they um, both in the same category or both separate yeah it's it's in the it's in the same
1: actor oh in a TV
0: series musical or comedy so okay they're, they're both leads. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh let's see they also do um what size nice says they also do um Uh, where'd it go? Uh... I had it right here. Then my screen moved and I lost it. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actress. Um, Meryl Streep for Only Murders in the Building. Yay! (laughs) Yay! Uh... Not a whole lot else. Um... Really jumping out at at me. So oh, God. okay, this is interesting. Best original song motion picture we got from Barbie, What Was I Made For? Billy Eilish. Barbie Dance Tonight by do you know Dua Lipo, Mark Ronson, and all that. Um Barbie, I'm just Ken. Uh Super Mario Brothers movie, Peaches. Oh boy. (laughs) Jeff Black.
2: Oh boy.
1: (laughs) Peaches got nominated for Best Original Song. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm Uh, shaking my head in disbelief, but I love it. Yep. (sighs) Because you Uh, sure as heck know it's not going to be nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. I'd be really surprised if it did. Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking no. I mean, I
0: would, I would, uh, I would definitely make sure. I mean, I'm going to watch it anyway, but I definitely want to make sure to tune in for that performance during the Academy Awards.
1: Same here. Yeah. I mean, Jack Black right. like,
0: he did just make a guest appearance at a Jonas Brother con- concert singing Peaches, so um, <laughs> why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's funny. All right, that's 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 pretty awesome. So. <laughs> Uh speaking of awards and movies and all that fun stuff, we do have a new this month's Patreon request for gold standard now available in the Patreon feed. Uh we had quite a lovely time discussing the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yay. Light the lamp,
1: not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. Light the, the lamp, lamp, not the rat! <laughs> yep. Yeah. That never gets so old. So good.
2: <laughs> so so good.
0: Yes, yeah, so quite the conversation because we were all just like, "Oh, this is so good." Mm-hmm. So,
1: and how often did you have to stop yourself from quoting? I haven't. I haven't quite listened a yet. A lot. But, oh, I will find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot. Not surprised.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was very tough to just not quote the entire. Movie. So, there's that. Uh, right. Feedback. Uh, like I said, we got some feedback from Shalane. Didn't the Golden Globe nominations get announced on December 11th, the same day you girls recorded this episode? Yes, they did. Uh, I don't know how we missed it. Uh, did you girls notice yes. how many nominations Barbie got? Yeah, we did now. So, yep. we're caught up. <laughs> Thank you, Shalane, for the heads up. Yep. It happens sometimes, and Shalane's usually on it. <laughs> so. She keeps us honest. <laughs> she does. Thank you, Shalane, for keeping us on our toes. As uh, much time as I spent on the internet and in social media, that stuff usually does not get past me, especially big stuff like that. But for some reason, it did this time around. I don't know why the algorithm was all like, eh, you don't need to see that. And I'm like, I hosted Oscars movie podcast. Yes, I need to know about awards. Thank you very much. So anyway.
1: Or maybe the uh, maybe it knew that we were squeeing too much about last week that, oh, we'll wait. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we will hide this? Yeah, maybe. They're
0: like, oh, they're talking about Doctor Who. Never mind.
1: <laughs> it's all good. You can wait don't week. mind us. We're just going to sit here in a corner. <laughs> we'll, we'll patiently wait and listen to the jukebox. Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right well with that news and feedback out of the way we can move on to this week's main topic so uh prepare to sort of, bandage
1: those blisters on the fingers
0: yes earworms ahead uh, we are not sorry um nope. not
1: <laughs> nope.
0: at all, and however so.
1: you, how much youtube decides to ding us we will gladly take it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so
0: uh so you may not get a white Christmas, especially though some of us around here where it looks like we're going to have a wet Christmas, but how about a white happens. album instead? It uh, works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does, it does kind of work. I mean, the, a- mm-hmm. the anniversary of its release was late November. It was the 55th anniversary of, of its release. So... Was the day before Doctor Who Day, (laughs) twenty second of November? Who knew uh, (sighs) that that, that the Beatles released their, you know, self, you know, what we would call these days a self titled album, but it's colloquially known as the White Album. It's their ninth studio album. Um, It's the only double album, Uh, and this is like. If it's th- if this is the album that things were very obviously starting to fall apart for the band and the people around them were noticing things were starting to fall apart. <laughs> um, that being said, it is still considered one of the best albums of all time, um, although I'm pretty much pretty sure they say that about almost every album in the Beatles catalog with maybe the exception of Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's it's. I mean, you know this album. It's just the plain white sleeve and it just says the Beatles on it in, in black and then that's it. Um, although when it was first printed and released, um, Paul insisted on having them numbered And each of the guys got number one through four. Uh, So if you, if you got your copy of the white album early, probably best if you purchase it in the UK and yours has, not all of them have the number on it. It's just like the first printing run or whatever had numbers. But if your number is close to one through four, then you are very close to the copies that the, the Beatles owned. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, obviously, there's been reprintings since uh, and remaster, you know, both of the original version and there have been several remastered versions,, uh, as Holly was talking about. <laughs> she was listening uh-huh. to the one hundred plus tracks of uh, that
1: of sheer beetly goodness.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean, it is, but you know, the- I mean, nowadays, if a, if a band wanted to release something that was you know a hundred, that would be like a double CD. Because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you could do fifty on a single CD. I mean, when the Beatles' number ones album was released, it's fifty of them, and it's on one CD. I own it. Um, but obviously, at the time, if you know, there's thirty tracks on the original release and it's
2: uh-huh.
0: four sides of two vinyls. So, um, and really, it only worked out that way because not all of the songs are necessarily what we would consider a full song. There are more bits of songs that they didn't necessarily flesh out to have a, you know, a quote unquote proper running time. um, So, um, And part of the reason why there's so much material is that a big-ass chunk of it was written when they were in India on their transcendental meditation retreat with the Maharishi in uh, spring of 1968. Um, And they had access to musical instruments. They were just... Indian musical instruments other than an acoustic guitar. That was the only Western instrument they had access to. Um, So that's what they worked with. Um, And then they slowly all left India. Ringo left first after 10 days because he couldn't handle the food. Uh, (laughs) And then Paul left a few days after that. So like two weeks Uh, He stayed for, like, close to two weeks. He had business that he had to attend to, so he ended up leaving. And then John and George stayed the longest at almost six weeks. Um, uh, Obviously, George was the most into it. Um, And I think John just really appreciated the isolation uh, and being away from everything, because he was going through a lot at that time, his marriage. Uh, was falling apart. Um, it wouldn't be too much longer before he meets Yoko. She will factor into this. <laughs> yep. Oh yes. So. Um. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think both John and George appreciated the time away, probably for slightly different reasons, but still
1: uh, to avoid some of the drama. <laughs> avoid some of the drama. Exactly
0: exactly so um so yeah they ended up writing 19 songs while they were in india uh between the between the guys obviously paul and john being the the most prolific um but george did end up with four tracks on this album which was the most um that he'd never gotten on a on a single Beatles album. And then Ringo actually gets his first writing credit um on this one. So um that's uh that was pretty cool. Okay. So by uh May of 68, they returned to London, they're at EMI Studios. Um, they would be in the studios until about mid October. Recording was uh, up and down. Uh <laughs> It was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm.
2: You
0: yeah, know the the stuff that we saw in Get Back in the in the yeah the, the documentary. of uh, that was a continuation of what had already been occurring <laughs> during this. Part of it was they were still struggling from, um, Epstein's death. Um, mm-hmm. Because he'd always he'd always done a really good
1: job of
0: reining the guys in. If anything yep. else, he was a good beta wrangler.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with George Martin falling in a close second. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, but even George Martin, after a while,
1: uh-huh. kind
0: of couldn't take it with all of the drama, and he ended up leaving yep. in the middle of production and go- went on vacation, <laughs> and like left you know his protege in in charge for producing this producing this album um um and you know like i said john was going through uh you know emotional turmoil you know his marriage was broken up he you know he's now was with yoko um he was he is his and yoko's relationship yeah, you know, I'm not a psychologist or, you know, any sort of that, but I mean we've talked about John, we know his abandonment issues um that probably never really got properly addressed and treated among other things. Um so when he met Yoko, his you know, as far as his mental state, I think she was good for him. Um, I think she, you know, she kind of helped anchor him, because John could just be very, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, he'd just be kind of like, why, you know, just like he needed someone to kind of rein him in, mm-hmm. but still let him to be the uber creative person that John Lennon is, because she right. herself was an artist, so she understood that desire to be creative, but she kept him from being so self-destructive.
1: Right. Is, and she is, would call him out on the thing. carpet and at least he'd take it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so she, she you yeah, know, despite what what people may
0: think, like, oh, Yoko Ono, she helped break up the Beatles. No, the the guys were already on thin ice before she ever came in the picture. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they kind of were on their own self-destruct timer. It just...
0: Yeah. Really, she was there there to hold John's hand when everything finally, like, exploded. So, yes, you know, John insisting on bringing her to the studio when that was something that they'd never really done before. Because they like to work, you know, just the guys without any sort of distractions. You know, kids, wives, girlfriends, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like this is a place of business. We're working. This is not bring your child to work day, right? Um, kind of
1: the unwritten rule. We
0: don't right. bring them
1: in. <laughs> yes,
0: but you know, John being John and kind of uh-huh. the obsessive personality that he is, he 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 kind of clung to to Yoko as a lifeline, and you know, in his mind, he needed to be with her as much as possible, um, which, again, I think speaks to his mental state at that time. He needed mm-hmm. something to, to to anchor onto, to latch onto. Right. Um, well, and
1: then every single close relationship or quasi-relationship good he had, it ended badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm thinking he's trying to hold on a little tighter than he should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably
0: it too. Yeah, you know, it's like if I hold on really 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 tight, maybe this one won't go away. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. maybe this one won't leave me and I won't be alone. Um no, that very much that very much that could be that could be it, you know. Um so but you cannot blame Yoko on the no. the breakup of the Beatles I'm sorry <laughs> no. uh, yeah and she has been I mean we talked about this when we did our episode on John you know she has been absolutely the 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 person that has kept John you know John's legacy going
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and also being there whenever his murderer is up for parole she is always there to 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 testify yep. and you know hope you know, make her case at the parole board should keep him behind bars yeah so, <laughs> so yoko is as has been very very uh integral into both the beatles and and john's legacy um over these so many years so um but she was there, and she does make several vocal appearances on the album.
1: So, mm-hmm. yep.
0: <laughs> Some are obvious than others. Yes. Uh, so, um, but um, and th- this is also during the time period where Ringo left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as um, you know, most people know their Beatles history when. The the brand, band started to fracture, Ringo was the first first one to quit.
1: Um, yeah.
0: And then he then he came back. Um yep. although and the band you know, while he, realized he had quit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because they could they continued to work without him. Well, true, and but <laughs> reported some stuff while he was not there. But when he did return, they welcomed him with open arms. They, like they decorated his drum set with flowers and all of this stuff. You know, but at the same time, they're like, "Oh yeah, we continued to work and recorded some stuff without you." So, yeah, it's a little, yeah, fun. Uh, like thanks. I, yeah.
1: yeah, backhanded. Yeah, welcome, but uh, <laughs> here's yeah, what we did. Yeah,
0: here's what you missed. Yeah. Uh, and, and they were also, yeah, you know, while they were, um, you know. Going forward with their own, you know, obviously, they're this album. Um, on the business side of things, this is uh the same time period, same, same time period. Goodness, I cannot speak today that Apple was founded. Um, and I do not mean the technology company. Uh, no. <laughs> this is Apple Records, um, their, their business, um. And unfortunately, Apple was not run very well, not managed mm-hmm. very well. So Mm-mm. really Apple was hemorrhaging money uh, yeah. despite having the Beatles there and their success, just the other other artists that they tried to help and promote it just was not working out well. And Paul did his best. He wanted um, Linda's, father to be their new manager. So there's mm-hmm. arguments about that. Um at the and at the same time, Paul tried to be kind of pseudo-manager in the interim, but mm-hmm. Paul wasn't very good at it.
1: <laughs> so sorry, no. Paul. Well then the then the head you, you got your strength the others like why are you why are you at the head of, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and
0: Paul was very much, he was
1: Yeah, well, I you know if if you can imagine
0: John, you know, scrambling to keep hold of Yoko for his you know his own his own sake. Paul is like scrambling to keep a hold of the Beatles as a business entity, Mm -hmm. and as you know, this thing that he helped create, and doesn't want to lose it. You know, because they'd already been, uh you know kind of raked over the coals with their early catalog that they don't they did not have rights to um, which is just a dumb thing uh yep everyone, uh, was it this show was there was I a Gold Standard? S- that I went on a rant recently about about con- like artist contracts and how like not mm-hmm. having the rights to yeah, you know, your own stuff these days it should it could have been it both should not be a thing. Should not be a no. thing that goes into contracts unless you're just like the worst, most yep. underhanded like business person ever. Yeah. Um but you know, it's people losing the rights to their creations that's been going on for ages and you know, for as long as people have been that doing contract. business. Yeah. <laughs> Since people don't do business, I mean, Walt Disney lost the rights to Oswald mm-hmm. in the early, you know, in the early, in the, you know, in the early days. So, um,
1: I mean, yeah, it, it took It, it the, took him,
0: It took the company ages
1: to get the rights back. <laughs> and it, it, so the same thing happened with the Who to get out of a record deal. I mean, they mm-hmm. lost money up until after Tommy mm-hmm. came close to happening to Queen. So it's just, I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the History fact that it's even it, it, i mean, it's still happening
0: in this modern age. The fact that Taylor Swift yes had to re-record didn't stuff. have the rights to her stuff. I mean, this is a this is a new millennium, folks. This should not be happening. So this is why the no. Beatles formed Apple was to try to anything that they created from here on out, they would have the rights to. Um, and so, you wonder why, in most theory, of the artists are. <laughs>
1: Self-producing these days and age. Yes, exactly. This day and age. <sighs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah they 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 did they did what they could, um, and I mean, as far as the album is concerned, I mean the we'll we'll go over the individual tracks, but there were no singles ever issued. Hey Jude and Revolution came from the same recording si- sessions and were released as singles, but they are neither of those appear on the album on this particular album. Um, so, um, which I love. Hey Jude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so somebody on, it was somebody on TikTok that was talking about songs that have the, you know, the, the audience sing along na 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 type sections.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they were like, what's your favorite? And I'm like, Hey Jude, like being in a sold out audience of Paul McCartney slash Wings slash Beatles fans
1: uh-huh. singing
0: along with Paul, the na 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 gets to Hey Jude
1: mm-hmm. is
0: a experience a- that you cannot describe. It is an experience like none other that you will have yes. experienced in your life.
1: I, I can remember <laughs> so. that happening to me. Eighth grade. At Milwaukee County Stadium, nosebleed seats, watching them and doing that. Yeah, I I get you. It's just like, uh... yeah. The minute the
0: words "Hey Jude" come out of Paul's mouth, I'm in tears. Yep. So it is. It is all. It is like, yeah. <laughs> it is something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, goosebumps just thinking about it. Yep. Um, that being said, the album itself has been certified twenty-four times platinum. <laughs> Ouch. So, uh, yeah, I think it's done okay, um, as far as sales are
1: Mm -hmm. concerned. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're heading into pressed Latinum territory to pardon the uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine fund. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, because Platinum is a million. Yep. So, 24 times Platinum means 24 million copies have been sold. Uh Yeah. So, yeah. That's that that's a lot. Uh-huh. So and that, and that includes my copy. Mm-hmm. So. mine too.
1: <laughs> or how many variations mm-hmm. of said copy I own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's a
0: physical one that I have on CD I have it on playlist on
1: Spotify yeah oh, yeah. yeah and, and then and then don't forget oh yeah they're remastered so yeah I had to buy another copy that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it' remastered
0: yeah uh-huh
1: yes I gotta <laughs> add
0: that to my my vinyl collection uh, uh, <sighs> so yeah it's done okay I think mm-hmm. um despite all the background drama um uh, <laughs> And <laughs> if it, yeah, you know, well, we'll get into it when we talk about the the individual tracks, but you know, um, you know, even just the even them just trying to decide which tracks would go on the album, and you know, in what order and that sort of thing. The guys were, especially John and Paul, were just like at each other's throats. It's just like. This is, this is why people outside of the, you know, that were watching from the outside, you know, either at the studio or whatever, were like,
1: yeah, this is not going to end well. Kind oh. of like Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, or Daffy, or, you know, the duck season, rabbit season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the album. Off the album. Yeah. On the album. Off the album. <laughs> yep. Now,
0: the thing is, George Martin didn't necessarily want to do a double album and mm-hmm. wanted him to do a, a single album with the strongest stuff. They said no. Um, years later, George said, eh, we probably could have cut some of them or made them B-sides. <laughs> um, but he also supported the idea of the double album
2: because
0: mm-hmm. uh, they had a, soft, a lot of stuff in backlog. Um Ringo, you know, obviously eventually agreed, but he thought he thought that it should have been two separate records, which he jokingly called the white album and the whiter album. Uh, and then Paul is on the record saying that it was fine the way it was. It was great. It sold. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And I think George, George Martin pretty much at the time was just tossed paper up in there. Fine. Whatever. Make the two of you guys happy. We'll do it. Yeah, (laughs) just work, (laughs) please. Yeah.
0: Depending on who you ask, some people think that that translated into the into the music. John said that you could the break up the Beatles could be heard on that album. Other people disagree. Um, you know, it's definitely you know up to this point, it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. for a number of reasons one it's a lot of material you know 30 tracks um each track is very unique unlike before where sometimes they would mix genres together in a song um you know, you would have like you know an electric guitar, but also like one of George's sitars, you know, uh-huh. so it has a mix of like, you know, that, that Indian, but also, you know, some, you know, heavier rock, you know, obviously, you know, each of the guys has their, their kind of taste <laughs>
3: uh-huh. or type,
0: you know, genre, you know, styles that they tend to, to lean into. Um, but in this, every track is distinct in its genre, in its style and, they don't have the longer cuts of silence in between the tracks. A lot of them feed one right into the other,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which makes her a very cohesive listening experience. Yes. It's a little weird if you put it on shuffle. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you have that option, because uh, it would not necessarily feed into the song that they intended that, that they intended. But, yep. you know. It's
1: it's all good. It's a that's a first mm-hmm. world problem. Um, you get some interesting mashups that way.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, you know, the, the guys had disagreements over songs and song styles. Paul was Paul had become very anal and perfectionist for some reason. <laughs> Uh, which caused them to have to do multiples of takes for some of these songs. Um, and, uh, you yeah, some, know, sometimes they would just do multiple takes and be jamming, like if they were having a good day, and they just pick the best one. And then there are some days where Paul just had, like, a stick up his ass, and, you know, we'd do... 20, 30, 40, 50 takes of something because he he was not liking it. Sometimes it got to the point where they scrapped everything they'd done and just start over from scratch because he was just not liking the way it was turning. I don't know what Paul deal was. I think he was just like, again, I think he was just scrambling to try to keep a hold of this thing. And Mm -hmm. he's like, if it's perfect, then, you know, everything will be fine. Um.
1: Or if I grump and grow and be perfectionist enough, we keep this going and we stay together a little bit longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. you
2: know,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. They were getting, it, they would get annoyed when
0: Yoko started showing up, but then after a while, it it that that uh, it just became anybody's girlfriend or whatever would show up. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul's girlfriend, the your short girlfriend that he had for a short while before he ends up with Linda, you know would would show up sometimes patty who was george's Mm -hmm. wife at the time and maureen ringo's wife at the time they would show up they end up on some of the tracks actually so um but yeah they would um it's just got really kind of ugly um you know john would refer to, to paul's songs as cloyingly sweet and bland and then Paul would refer to John's stuff as harsh, unmelodious, and deliberately provocative. Uh, I think I watched or watched a video or read somewhere that at one point John referred to Paul's music as music for grandmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and at the same time, the guys were also starting to work on like their own stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. George worked
0: on a concept album that he did solo. John with Yoko, did the Two Virgins album during the same time period, so it was just, sometimes they would be there at EMI, but they'd be in different studios and not in the same studio working on stuff, so it was just, it was, it was ugly, (laughs) so (laughs) oh, so that being said, let's get into the Tracks themselves starting with album one side one with Back in the USSR, which is a nod to Chuck Berry's song Back in the USA.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I just obviously that 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 title is a
0: little dated because it's no longer the USSR, (laughs) so yeah, (laughs) but uh. Yeah, it's a, the idea of, you know, this this guy flying, uh, you know, from wherever he was to the USSR. Yeah, you know, very much, you know, so the, uh, you know, talking about the girls, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that that style is very it's very Beach Boys influence as well. Yeah, you know, with the nod with to the, California girls. Yeah, yep. the nod to California girls. Yes. um. Not surprising, it was banned. The Beatles' music as a whole was banned in the USSR <laughs> in the Soviet <laughs> Union, so that the track became a very hot bootleg.
1: <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> comrade the Beatles, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. So,
0: um, and it that's one that 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 Paul um, has on his on his set list. Uh, quite often, so. Um, Dear Prudence is one that's influenced from their trip to India, um, uh, because Prudence is actually Mia Farrow's sister, who okay. was part of the group that ended up going to to India along with the Beatles. Their, their group, by the time everyone had gotten to India and got settled in, their traveling group was like 60 people or something like it was stupid large how many people followed the Beatles to India (laughs) so (laughs) Um, but uh, Prudence um, got really into meditation and would get to the point where she would be in like her tent or in some place secluded and quiet and just meditate for like hours and finally got to the point where they're like come on girl let's you know come eat something come stretch your legs come read a book come do something (laughs) you know Uh (laughs) so very uh you know biographical (laughs) so um but definitely you know that comes from from india um uh, Glass Onion is one of the, <laughs> I took a class at, at an, under- an undergrad in college about the music of the Beatles.
1: Oh, nice. Um,
0: it took me Jealous. so many semesters before I could finally fit it into my schedule. Uh, and when I finally did, I was so glad. Um, but, um, we, it, the class it goes through the entire beatle, beatle catalog in chronological oh, order nice. it's so nice. good um but glass onion is essentially john responding to people constantly asking about what the lyrics mean to some of the beatle songs mhm things like strawberry fields and I and the walrus and the fall on the hill. It's like, you know, Lucy in the sky with diamonds, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Um, and, uh, John essentially wrote this as a, you want to know what our, our, our song, you know, our song lyrics are about here. Listen to this and figure it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was really just like, you know, like, I'm just going to make the most weird, crazy, you know, (laughs) lyrics and just uh, mess with people's heads, Mm -hmm.
1: essentially. So and a tongue Uh, in cheek answering some questions. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, he's still living up there. (laughs) He's fine. He's happy. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I mean, this also, it also, um, uh, you know, the line, the walrus is Paul. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. you know, I am the walrus and the way that, 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 uh, that, that song ends fed into the Paul is dead. Yep. Myth. And, uh, and
1: Lady Madonna's still trying to make ends meet.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um,
0: and actually glass onion was a name suggested by John for a group that they signed to Apple that at that time they were going by the Ivies. They they do, did not go with John's suggestion uh, of, of Glass Onion. They chose the name Badfinger instead. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Glass Onion also the title of The Last Knives Out film. Yes. Off, so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As soon as they saw the show, they am like, Yep. Somebody yep. a a fan. Got that reference. Yep. So uh Ubladi which is my mother-in-law's favorite song. Uh <laughs> anytime we see Paul, we always try to, to capture some of it and send it to her because she loves it song. Oh nice. Yes. Um so uh but this is one that Paul just like about drove himself and everybody else crazy. Um, you know, trying to, trying to put together the uh making it perfect.
1: Uh huh.
0: Um, so, um, he uh, it didn't help that John hated this song. Hmm. I could kinda see why. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's definitely not John's style. So no. he called it gran he called it granny music shit. Um, <laughs> um and um this is another one that the its origins come from, from India. Um and it's
1: Supposed to be like reggae. <laughs> okay, that's not the kind yeah. of reggae I know. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, this is reggae with a British twist. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um. So, but uh, yeah, this was um. They. This is one that they. Did uh, multiple takes, multiple versions, um, and uh, did again and again and again and again. Uh, Paul ends up playing the drums because this is one of the ones I recorded while Ringo was out. (laughs) Um, And yeah. Yeah this for some reason paul got a bee in his bonnet about this one and it got it got to the point where one of the the uh techs quit uh (laughs) because it just it got it got so frustrating and sometimes this is why we cannot have nice things (laughs) exactly exactly um that being said again this is one that, that paul has um Paul does on on a some on a fairly regular basis um obviously there is a a bit of a um a a flub with the some of the lyrics uh but the guys liked it and thought it was so funny that they left it uh so uh but yeah it's I mean it's definitely it's definitely a very Paul McCartney song um yeah Yeah, but uh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, Wild Honey Pie, which is just one Uh of those short little, it's not even a minute long. It's 52
3: seconds.
0: (laughs) Uh Um, Where it's just, you know, them experimenting uh, with stuff. So, you know, Paul got a guitar and was just playing with the different multi, you know, the multi tracks and... Stuff and, um, yeah, not anything, not anything really like, oh my goodness. It's just one of those fun little blurbs. Um, then we get Yoko's debut, singing debut. Uh, I hit stuff. The continuing story of Bungalow Bill. <laughs> which was written by John, but is credited as Lennon McCartney. Um, And um, I guess it's based slightly on a real story Um, from when they were in India. There was a young American named Richard Cook III who was visiting his mother um, who was there at the monastery for the Maharishi and um they were staying there at the same time the Beatles were there and um that they thought that um according to Nancy who was Rick's mother um the genesis of the song occurred when she rick and several others including guides set out upon elephants to hunt for a tiger um and the pack of elephants was attacked by a tiger, which was shot by Rick. Um, but apparently, the the uh, he Rick was not necessarily like that pleased with himself, and then gave up hunting altogether. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so, somewhat of a of a true story. So, but. Um, you know, it's it's a very kind of yeah, you know, kind of something maybe like you'd hear if you're sitting around a campfire at camp, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know someone would sing the verse, and then everybody would join in and sing sing the chorus, um, and then um, yeah, you know, because the the story involves you know it's about Bungle Bill, but also his mom. They needed someone to play Bungle Bill's mom, and that got to be Yoko. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we get to hear Yoko sing a bit. So, although Marine actually w- sings in the the group group bit, you know, when they sing the the chorus. So, it's kind of a weird track,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. But, John likes to tell stories. So. Yes, he does. Uh, uh, and then one of George's tracks and one of George's greatest songs that he ever wrote, uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. While, you know, uh, George wrote it after he got back from India. um, Because uh, he had been playing a lot with Indian instruments uh both during that trip and before. So when he got back, he's like, ah, I'm gonna bust out good old fashioned guitar. Um <clears throat> and while he was reading a book while visiting his parents, he came across the the the, the phrase gently weeps. Um yep. and that's where the, the title <laughs> came from. And the thing is is this is not Beatles I mean it is but it's not just the Beatles because they George to, was yes. stru- George was struggling with the uh some of the guitar parts and uh so he asked one of his friends you know what do you think who's also a musician he's like what do you think and his friend was like well you could do it like this and George is like well, why don't you come into the recording studio and do it and this friend was like mm-hmm. Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, bringing in people all the time. So why can't I? That was yeah. Eric Clapton. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah that, lead, that, that lead guitar is is Eric Clapton <laughs> on that track. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yep. Yeah. It's just one of those, one of those those tracks, you know, that's. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it, you know you think of George Harrison and that's one of the songs that you 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 first think of um so um and obviously you know <laughs> it's been uh it's been uh, covered uh by a lot of people yes uh, over over the years um there is actually <laughs> another verse that never ended up in the original recording but in the anthology, you can hear a version that's got the the, the unused verse. And then um, if you've somehow been living under a rock and want to see uh, a very, you know, a, 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 a performance of this song that will make you like crap your pants in the best way, watch the performance from when George was Uh, inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame yes yes prince will make you crap your pants yep (laughs) because
1: it was him tom petty
0: and donnie Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and prince was i think a walk-on if i remember correctly yes
0: (laughs) yeah he did not show up in time to do any sort of rehearsing but he's Mm -hmm. like i've got it and he and eric clapton just kind of like you know Non vocally communicated with each other, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, the, you know, when it reaches the point for the guitar solo, they just let Prince go, and um, he kills it. He absolutely yeah. kills it. So, mm-hmm. um, they just kind of let him go, and then when he was done, he was done. <laughs> yep. So, mic <laughs> drop.
1: He's yeah.
0: out. I mean. It's it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't speak for it now, but when Chance and I visited the, the Rock Hall a couple years ago, um they have, you know, a, a short video that it talks about the history of the Rock Hall and, you know, its origins and how, you know, the the evolution of it since then and all that. But the video ends with that. Like oh, there's nice. no other way to end. A video right. about the Rocker Hall of Fame, except with this clip <laughs> of yep. Prince just absolutely killing it <laughs> on my guitar. Shelly weeps. So, yo, know. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not necessarily a Prince fan, but damn, that man can play guitar. Oh yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So um uh, and the last one on that side is happiness is a warm gun. Oh, oh they shoot, shoot, shoot. Shoot. Which, you know, then you nobody know, maybe thought twice. Nowadays a title like that maybe not go over so well, but Nope.
2: Yeah. You know.
0: Nope. Um uh, it's a another John John song. Yep. Mm-hmm. uh um, even mm. if they're even even if even if the 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 title
1: yeah the double uh, entendre they, they, they made you raise
0: your eyebrows yeah there's a lot of um a lot of uh either double entendre or metaphor or however you want to interpret yeah. it for mm. Your mind will be going to the gutter.
1: Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Either to, um, you know, what happens between two people who really physically are into each other. Yeah. um, Or drugs. And or drugs. Uh, Although in John's Playboy interview, he says it has nothing to do with, with drugs, but it definitely uh guns and sex. <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean when I feel my finger on your trigger, I'm so sorry to any kids mm-hmm. who may be listening to this. Yeah. Um that it's kind of yeah. hard to not take that as something <laughs> as something else. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh so, yeah, John, that being we said, can see you winking, wink, did... nudging, nudging yeah. the whole way yeah. through the song. Yeah.
0: yeah, the guys actually really enjoyed recording this one. So, I wonder why. I don't know. Uh, I think you flipped side too. Yes, uh, completely going the other direction with Martha, my dear, which Martha was <laughs> Paul's English sheepdog. <eat> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and kind of the and the old timey, mm-hmm. you know, imagine walking into you know a saloon and hearing this played.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, although a lot of people think that it, Martha is uh, a substitute for Jane Asher, uh, <clears throat> who at this point you know Paul had, had broken up with, and but you know Paul was not necessarily. Uh, happy about it, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So. But uh, but yeah, good old Martha. And if you've never seen an old English sheepdog in <laughs> real life, uh, Max from Little Mermaid, Prince Eric's dog, yep.
1: mm-hmm. is, an
0: English, is an an old English sheepdog. So
1: big and fluffy.
0: <laughs> yes, yes very big and floofy so yeah I kind of I kind of you know when I listen to it I, I envision an actual dog and is like mm-hmm. you know look what you like look what you've got into and the fact that Paul mm-hmm. like lives on a farm it's like I just imagine this big dog just like jumping in a mud puddle and yep. just getting all disgusting and be like look yep. what you've done yeah. Uh, <laughs> so
1: look what I found I had fun outside I'm covered in muck and mm-hmm. And yes, my some of my white fur just happens to be a lovely shade of green because I decided to roll in the grass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh, it's a fun song. Mm-hmm. Oh. That is one where only, Paul's the only beetle that appears on the track. All the rest of it is session musicians. So. Um, and then It seems to be the theme song for a lot of people around here. I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) Written by John when they're in India and he was suffering from insomnia. So in this case, this is very much you can take. It's this is no sort of, you know, double entendre or anything. It is just like, you know, John is tired and he wants to sleep and he can't. Yes. So. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's so, he's so tired, but he can't sleep, and he's like, what am I going to do? So it's either drink or smoke, because it's like, I'm so tired, mm-hmm. yeah, i too tired to do anything else, uh, so, um, and then um, at the very end of the track, there's some mumbling in the background uh, that supposedly, if you played it backwards, is is dead man miss him miss him but um it's actually john saying monsieur monsieur how about another one so again feeding into the paul is dead conspiracy so uh-huh. uh, another paul track blackbird this is one that paul also does uh, quite often in concert so um And this is, uh, Paul's, um, kind of nod to the, uh, the, the civil rights, um, issues that were going on here in the United States in the, in the sixties. So, um, not that Britain is, you know, uh, squeaky clean of any sort of racism or anything, But, um, if, um, uh, there's, oh crap. Who wrote the, the, what's the book? There's a book written by a journalist. Yeah. Called took it to ride. Um, and, um, it's, uh, during their, their 64 tour, Um, but Larry Kane, he was a journalist and he traveled with the Beatles during that time. And one of the things that he, uh, mentions, which I still wish I had my copy of the book. I don't know what happened to it. Um, but when they came to the United States and went to the South and realized that in some places they wanted to, um, Segregate their shows. Want that? They were surprised at the way that that people of color were treated here in the United States in the in the sixties because that was not common in the UK in England. Um, so it it caught them by surprise. No, yeah. and obviously the civil rights movement mm-hmm. continued on, still continues on actually. Um, so Paul wrote Blackbird. Kind of as a as a nod to acknowledging um, that. So, uh, and another another one of George's uh, tracks uh, is uh, "Piggies," <laughs> <laughs> which is a social commentary uh, about greed and consumerism. So. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like it could have been a Paul track with the uh the harpsichord and stuff, but no, this is this is George. But yeah, the the political climate in the in 68 was um <clears throat> very um turbulent. <laughs> so although when I like the first time I ever heard it, and I did not. <laughs> when I heard "piggies," I heard I thought of cops. Because <laughs> 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 sometimes that's what cops will be referred to as. Yes, is uh-huh. pigs. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, both my parents are cops, so I grew up around lingo and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. I I thought of police. <sighs> You're referring to like the fat cats of like Wall Street and stuff, yeah, you know? and or politicians, <laughs> and or politicians, you know the 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 one percent, yeah. Which does not surprise me that George would write something like that because he's very, he was very um aware of of stuff like that. So, and then another uh story <laughs> song, <laughs> Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> yep mm-hmm. uh which is a kind of a country song Yes. Uh, about uh a, a, a guy named Rocky yep. whose girl runs off with another guy yep. and Rocky tries to get revenge and loses uh-huh. yep
1: <laughs> and it seems like the girlfriend has quite the uh List uh, names there. The Witness protection yeah. program. Anybody? <laughs> Lil McGill <Miguel, Yeah>. Nancy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, maybe she preferred to go by Nancy because Lil McGill sounded funny. Uh,
2: yeah,
0: could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. uh, yeah. He ends up. He, ends up, he ends up losing the uh, the gun. The gun draw against Dan his rival,
1: yeah. uh, get uh-huh. shot. Um, hey doc, it's only a scratch. Yeah. Uh, flesh one line coming up in money. Python*. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's another, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, it's, it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's a, no. a it's a pastiche, you know, it's, yes. you know, it's a, a nod to, you know, the country folk storytelling, um, but the song is just ridiculous, you know? So it's like it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's just one of those those silly uh, silly songs that, that Paul would come up with every now and then. but it, it's fun. So, you yeah. know, it, it, at least it, it does tell a complete story, kind of. So mm-hmm. So and I can say, for certain as someone who was just in a hotel recently uh you can still find Gideon's Bible uh-huh.
2: <laughs> in your hotel
0: room so <laughs> uh then we get to Ringo's first solo composition don't pass me by which very much could have been it sounds like you know it could have been uh you know an old like country western song uh-huh. with the fiddle
1: um
0: yeah. you know, uh but no this is this is written by written by Ringo um i mean it's very ringo <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very ringo it's it's just a, you know it's a very simple you know rhythm to it uh you know the it's a catchy beat it is very it is very catchy um again the reference to a car crash yeah feeding into the is dead in mythos uh-huh. <laughs> so, um but yeah i mean it, it's very it it, it really kind of has to be simple for ringo yeah you know, one he's not he's not necessarily a songwriter being a, a drummer um you know not that there's anything wrong with that but you know as as we've uh alluded to um in our ringo episode ringo's not the strongest singer uh so <laughs> making it simple makes it easier for him yeah
2: uh-huh.
0: play to his strengths so but it, it's definitely one that you know what what i was getting ready to sing or see ringo this is one that i listen to a lot so um the thing is, I don't remember if he actually played it when we saw him. I don't think he did. So.
1: And Ringo, I think, even went back and re-recorded it for one of his solo albums, too, if memory mm-hmm. serves.
0: Yeah. Both
1: versions are good. Yeah.
0: Um, and then an- another just kind of filler song, it's a, a minute 42, Why Don't We Do It in the Road. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: No double entendre here. This is exactly what you think. You think uh, it is. It was, yes. They were they when mm-hmm. they were in India, they spotted some monkeys in the middle of the road doing what wild animals do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it really is just. Yeah. George you bam, know, bam, Paul, thank you ma'am.
2: Paul,
0: I mean that's kind of what the monkey did actually. Uh <laughs> you know. And, and Paul's Paul, you know, thought was well, you know, they just they just do it and don't think twice about it. Why you know, why do human beings have to be so stuck up and you know, feel like talking about that kind of thing is just like Ooh, oh no, don't talk about that clutch your pearls type thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. You know. Uh then we have a nice little uh, short little love song again written by Paul I will mm-hmm. another short one minute 46 but it's cute it's a nice yes. little love, love song so mm-hmm. I believe I believe this is the sw- the, non- the one non Disney song that Chauncey and I used at our wedding oh cool Though. Like, so. I'd have to find and the program this, to be able to tell you.
1: <laughs> and the I Will seems like it could have easily fit in an er, a very earlier Beatles album, just with yeah.
0: the yeah. way it was well, done. Yeah, well, it's like we, we mostly use Disney's music because we got married at Disney and that's what their musicians know how to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want, uh, you know, we wanted something... It was like you know a a love song that isn't like a Disney love song
2: because mm-hmm.
0: those tend to be not our style. Um, but it needed to be able something that could be played by a violinist. So. Mm-hmm. so I think that's why I picked it and asked if that was something they that they could do. So oh, and then the last track on the first disc is Julia, which is John's. Ode to his mother, Mm -hmm. uh, who had died back in 1958. So it's very much John writing, you know, uh, a song to his mother. You know, fairly, uh, fairly straightforward, I think. So, um, and this is like a, a Lennon solo. You know, quote unquote, solo track. So, so other Beatles play on this one. So, and then we move to side three or side one of the second disc. Uh, birthday used by a lot of people when it's someone's <laughs> birthday. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't want to use, if you don't care for the traditional happy birthday song,
1: this is the one to go for. Go.
0: Yeah, got this one. So uh I mean and it's a rocker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean the lyrics again fairly straightforward, you know, like mm-hmm. you're gonna do if you're gonna sing to somebody for their birthday. Um but um uh yeah, it's uh uh you know Paul when Paul showed up for Ringo's 70th birthday show back in in 2010 uh, they they performed it <laughs> mm-hmm. so um it's it Paul does do this one occasionally uh in in concert he did he did it last time I saw him last year um funnily enough it was like less than a month before his birthday uh <laughs> so it was <laughs> like He's like, he's like, is anybody, you know, before you start playing, he's like, anybody in the audience having a birthday I'm like you are in like three weeks? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh both Yoko and Patty Harrison uh are the backing vocals of that one. Cool. So and then John wrote your blues, um, again, because he was a, uh, you know. Not having the best time, mental mental health wise, while they were in India, and he wanted to write a blue song to help, you know, get some of these feelings out. You know, it's it's one of those that's just like, you know, like if you take it seriously, it kind of makes you really worried for John's mental state at the time. But at the same time, you could kind of take it as as somewhat like satirical, like just, uh, you know, has some blue songs. They like, you know, really dig into like, you know, like the worst feelings ever. And he kind of like, you know, John was like, well, what's the worst thing that, you know, what's the worst feeling that a blue singer could feel, you know, could sing about Oh, wanting to kill yourself? Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Oh, John. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know how to make things go dark real quick. He does. He does. Oh.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> Mother Nature's son. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Which, according to Paul, he said he was inspired by Nat King Cole's Nature Boy, which he heard growing up. And he wrote this while he was visiting his father in Liverpool. So... Um, and this is another one where it's it's Paul, and then some studio musicians. Then um, this one he he does sometimes in um, in concert. So just another cute little kind of very Paul McCartney song. So <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, then back to John. Everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. <laughs> Oh John. Mm-hmm. According to John, it addresses his bandmate's initial reaction to his relationship with Yoko. <laughs> wow. Okay. But it also predates his relationship with Yoko. So technically, but uh like He started to write some of it in India and his relationship with Yoko didn't really start until after they got back from India, but whatever. Uh, it was just... Yeah. It's John! <laughs> Although Paul thought at one point it was about heroin because the term monkey is often associated with the drug. Sarah, <laughs> um, According to... The last interview he gave before his death, John said, as I put it in my last incarnation, everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. It means really that one can, cannot be absolutely oneself in public because the fact that you're in public makes you have to have some kind of defense or whatever it is, which is funny. It's just kind of this like this rocking song and it's like mm-hmm. me and my monkey. <laughs> mm hmm. Um and then, sexy Sadie. Yeah. If you take it at face value, it's like, oh, you know, John's got like the hots for somebody. No, Sadie is the Maharishi because um John became very disillusioned with the Maharishi after supposedly the Maharishi made some advances uh to on uh Mio Pharaoh of all people. Um uh and how that was rather foolish uh, to do. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, cuz he was originally going to call it Maharishi and then he changed it to Sexy shady, So
1: <laughs> Well now, now the lyrics are making a whole lot more sense with the Maharishi yeah, knowledge. Yes, made a fool of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
0: uh, supposedly there is a out uh, a take uh, with uh, John using some of his earlier lyrics before he flushed out the lyrics completely, which I will not repeat on <laughs> this show. <laughs> um, and it turns out actually the Maharishi didn't actually do anything. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we're saying that a lot. It's John. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then probably the most infamous off of this album, Helter Skelter. Uh Uh-huh. Which is the term for a twisty slide in Britain. But if you weren't British, you didn't know that. Especially if you're a little not the best place mentally and decide to uh create your own cult Mm -hmm. uh because you think that the song is actually when played backwards has secret messages about uh an an upcoming interracial war in the united states (laughs) yeah if you don't know the story of charles manson (laughs) yeah where have you been Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the very least you got the cliff notes of charles manson granted he was already like on the road to destruct on the road to destruction before this song ever came around (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. so you can't be like oh
0: the you know him listening to the beatles drove him drove him crazy no he was already on that road he just found a good excuse. Yes, he found something to justify the the feelings and ideas that he was having. Um, and you know, see, so, you know, not that I think anybody does, but you know, if there's anybody out there that's like, oh, Helter Skelter caused the death of Sharon Tate, no, it did not. <laughs> so. No. No, it was just especially considering charles manson had had was getting feeling like he was being influenced from a number of places yes. uh so not just the the beatles music so Mm-mm. um especially considering at one point one of the murders that the manson family committed they s- spelled it wrong so <laughs> So but yeah, that's it made that song rather infamous, unfortunately, with the uh with the 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 Manson family and all that came with that. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but this is this is one that, that Paul does sometime. Um yeah. he did it when I saw him last year, so that was pretty cool.
1: Oh, and I can um, remember too um Bono and you two covering it on the um, Rattle and Hum album. And Bono's mm-hmm. saying, Charles Manson stole this from the Beatles. We're stealing it back. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Proper way to do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, excuse me. But because Helter Skelter is like a decently long track at like five minutes and some change or almost five minutes, depending on what version you're listening to. It's like four and a yeah. half minutes on the stereo version. Um, yeah, that actually fills in quite a bit. So the last song on that side is George's long, long, long yep and George says, uh later, George stated that he was addressing God in the lyrics, which you know, in this 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 post India trip uh life that that George is in we, we we're gonna be, you know. Hearing that seeing that a lot, both in the remain remainders of the Beatles and then into his his solo career. So George was very, very spiritual. so uh, uh, and then flip over to the last side with Revolution One, um, which is the slower, revolution. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to call it that. So. It's it's revolution, but it's a, a very slow down version of mm-hmm. it. So um and uh lots of takes. <laughs> so um they um take 18 is the one that appears on the super deluxe edition. That take is 10 minutes and 17 seconds. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very blues, it's very laid back. Yes. A bootleg version of take 20 uh, got released in 2009. <laughs> um, it's uh 10 minutes and 46 seconds. Um, so, um, but it's just very, just like, sup. Revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not going to get anybody like riled up to like grab some signs and hit the streets and, you know, start protesting. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then, (laughs) um, uh, not to be confused with wild honey pie. Uh, (laughs) we have honey pie, uh, (laughs) which is like a 1920s, like flapper style. Well, quite the, uh, I mean, you know, it has, um, saxophone and clarinets and you know you can very much imagine yourself dancing you know like a speakeasy in the 20s Mm -hmm. yeah uh another one that john apparently hated (laughs) called it beyond redemption ouch john ouch yeah yeah uh and then uh George's last one, last uh, composition, Savoy Truffle, which um, is about a box of chocolates. This would be Forrest Gump's favorite song. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently partially influenced by a warning uh, that Eric Clapton had gotten when he recently had gone to the dentist about... (sighs) be careful about eating too much sweets. (laughs) So So if you've ever gotten one of those box of chocolates from like a great aunt or something that and why it's not mandatory across the board that they don't have some sort of like cheat sheet either Mm -hmm. inserted in the box or printed inside the lid so then you have to bite into them to find out what they are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so John's not on this one. So they do have several uh extra musicians because there's there's horns and saxophones and, and stuff. So but it's just George, Paul, and Ringo on this one. So um and then Cry Baby Cry, which is a John. Track. Apparently, John got some of the words from an advertisement. <laughs> hmm. <sighs> oh. um, and actually, this song is part of or connected. It depends on how you want to do it. This is either one song and then there's an uncredited track. Or there's like a coda that's actually part of the song that Paul sings about. Can you take me back? Because it's not listed as a track on the track list. So uh, depending on whether you consider that its own thing and it's just an uncredited track or it's actually part of the song. Again, the, they were just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point. So,
2: Uh
0: (laughs) Oh, and then you have revolution nine, which is eight minutes and 22 seconds of very, if this, if it wasn't for the fact that this is pre Monty Python, I would think this is Monty Python. Uh With just the very avant-garde mix of sound effects and vocal tracks, you know, like everybody at the very least knows number nine, number nine, number nine, mm-hmm. number nine, you know, so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, apparently EMI had a library of just like various sound effects and vocals and stuff that just like anybody could use. And that's where a lot of this came from, including the number nine. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's very, it's that it's Yoko. It's, it's mm-hmm. it, John took Yoko and made her into a track. This is what it is. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, they, Wikipedia refers to it as a sound collage. Which, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, John said he was trying to paint a picture of a revolution using sound.
1: Okay. All right. uh, uh, mission somewhat accomplished, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So,
0: number nine, number nine. And the very last track, written by John as a lullaby for his son, Julian. Uh, but it's actually sung it's slash spoken by Ringo, uh, mm-hmm. which is a nice little lullaby. Uh, not bad vocals by Ringo, oh. all things considering. So you get a little bit of an ASMR effect there at the end when Ringo's whispering, Good night, good night, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's it. So, I mean, it's an interesting mix of things uh tracks Mm -hmm. Uh, again you know these recording sessions did get us hey jude um but that does not appear on this album it was just released as a single um and revolution (laughs) so the song that would actually make you feel like you want to get up and grab a sign and go out and protest something uh so um and then there's a whole bunch of unreleased material. <laughs> so yeah. some of it would end up being used elsewhere. Um, there is uh, John's the tre- the the song at the time was called "Child of Nature." Eventually, be was reworked as "Jealous Guy." Uh-huh. Um, which he would do as a as a solo artist. Paul's junk, which would appear in his solo work. Um, some of the stuff got reused in other uh Beatles stuff, like Mean Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pam. Those are in the the Medley and Abbey Road, which we already talked about. Um so um some of that stuff appears on anthology three. Um, as I said, there's a bootleg of revolution. Take 20. <laughs> um, which is really just revolution one and revolution nine put together as one big track, but still, um, so, and like I said, it did well. Um, it debuted number one in the UK, uh, Uh, December of 1968, seven weeks at the top of the UK charts. Um, So uh, Capital sold 3.3 million copies within the first four days of the album's release. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Reached number one in its third week, uh, spending nine weeks at the top. Uh, the Beatles, uh, the album spent 215 weeks on the Billboard 200. So, it is their most certified album with 24 times platinum. So, yeah. I, I'd say that uh, even for it being a little yeah different uh, mm-hmm. than what people were expecting, you know, because this was, I mean, even just the packaging was a stark difference from what people had just purchased previously with Sergeant Pepper. Right. Which was the album before this, which, you know, the the cover for that's iconic as well, but obviously not minimalist at all. You know, it's a very busy cover, very colorful, a lot to look at. And then for them to go to this, where it's like, pfft, white! Yeah. You know, it was just like... Yeah, sending a message to the, the to their fans. They're like, oh, "This is gonna be something different." Yeah, yeah. You're used to yeah. You know, you're Rocket used tour. to at least something on the cover. You know, whether it's just their faces yeah. or something like Sergeant Pepper or Magical Mystery Tour. That's a wild looking cover as well. Yeah, so it's like, yeah.
1: Here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Rock and Roll. Hey, what's that white cover? Who mm-hmm. is that? Oh, okay. Mhm.
0: I mean in a way it does it it does catch people's attention for being so plain and then of course, you know, almost 30, you know, 20 something years later Metallica would do the same thing just with the opposite color with exactly. the black album. So mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, and they did, they did, uh, do a 50th anniversary edition five years ago. So you can pick that up, (laughs) um, if you like, um, it's a, it's been remixed and remastered. Um, so you've got, um, the demos that they recorded when they first got back, all got back from India and went to George's house and did a bunch of demos. Um, and then, um, there's the various recording sessions, different takes, um, including some songs that, you know, did not make it onto (laughs) this album or anywhere, or in some cases did make them elsewhere. So, um, all was it, uh, There's 699 minutes of it. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Depending on which version you get, Um, there's a three CD deluxe set, which includes the original double album, the demos from George's uh, place on one CD. There's a seven disc super deluxe edition, which has three more CDs of all those outtakes and various, uh, uh, you know, takes. Uh, uh, a two LP edition, which is just the original release. A four LP edition, which is going to have the original plus the, they call them the Escher de- demos because that's where George was living at the time, was Escher. Um, the Escher demos. Um, so, yeah, up to seven discs, depending on which edition you get.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot.
0: Yes.
1: Hours and hours and hours. But it's so nice that they're going into the vaults and compiling and putting all those. Mm -hmm. So seeing the light of days so we can listen to them and appreciate Yeah,
0: if, if you do the if you do the seven disc, it's six hours and thirteen minutes. So, yep, yep. Ooh. Can't say that they don't give us stuff to listen to. So, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: we more Although than the although
0: the worth. vault, yeah, between between stuff like this and then the new single we got, uh, recently, um. Uh, as far as we know, the vault has been completely emptied. <laughs> so. Right.
1: <laughs> so now we just have to wait for the solo stuff to come out from the vault slowly from Paul, slowly from George yes, which, and Ringo. Which they are
0: doing that. They are doing that now. Uh, Paul's yep. stuff is slowly getting remastered anniversary releases. So because uh, we just got or are getting banned on the run
2: Mm
0: mm-hmm uh so yeah paul's been slowly remastering and re-releasing his catalog in chronological order uh so um yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's the thing with musicians is you know they're constantly thinking you know brain is probably constantly thinking of stuff and sometimes you just got to get it out whether it's you know, if you're home, you got a piano, you got a guitar or whatever, great. You know, if you're in the studio and you just got an idea and you're just like, I'm just going to mess with this, especially now, because you can do stuff, you know, capture stuff digitally. So you're not having to be concerned about, like, do I have enough tape for this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With digital, you can practically go on forever and not have mm-hmm. to worry about it, you know. Do as many tracks as you want,
1: you know, play around with effects and that sort of thing. Um, you can overdub to your heart's content and not have to mm-hmm. worry about the magnetic stripping going bye-bye. Mhm.
0: Exactly.
1: exactly. So
0: So yeah, that's the uh, the Double Stuff Oreo that is the The Beatles White Album. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you buy the seven seven disc deluxe edition, in that case, so the, what what does what is Oreo call that? or like the mega mega stuff? Mega stuffed, yeah, quadruple <laughs> stuffed. Mega <laughs> stuff. The the wind Winchett. I like the,
1: mouth. The, the, Oreo I just prefer to stuff. eat the
0: icing. Forget the cookie stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's not a glass of milk big enough for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, I've had dinner. I've had dessert. Why am I talking about cookies? I don't even necessarily I, like Oreos. <laughs> it just works. You uh, were going with
1: the analogy with, I guess, the white album and the black album from Metallica. I get it. Works. It works. It works.
0: Yeah. Uh, so any final thoughts?
1: If you haven't sit down and listen to this album in some time, do yourself a favor and sit down for a listen. It's worth it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh, and thankfully,
0: the Beatles catalog is available on Spotify. So if you've got a Spotify yes. account, uh, you can access a good chunk of that. Ugh! Yes, In various forms. A lot of times uh, uh, you can find like Uh, Because throughout the years, you know, they've released like the mono version and then the stereo version and then like, you know, the Let It Be Naked edition and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. It's very cool. Well, if any of our listeners have uh, thoughts, opinions on the White Album or... The Beatles personal shenanigans issues that were going on at the time. <laughs> uh, or if you've heard any of these songs live and want to give your two cents, uh, you can send us a feedback. You can email us uh fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, which is the fiveish fangirls.com, where you can connect with all of our other so all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that along with our individual personal ones. Um, If you want to join in the book club, the link for that on Goodreads is there. Um, If you'd like to financially support us, you can do that in a number of ways. Um, If you want to support us on the regular, you can become a patron on Patreon. Link for that is on the website. And um, uh, if you'd like to... Uh, get a little something in return. We do have merch on Redbubble. So there's that. Or if you just want to do a one time donation to the show specifically, you can do that via Ko fi. Um, uh, and if uh, you're feeling really generous and I'd also like to support our nonprofit fangirls give back, you can do a PayPal donation, which the link for that is also on the website. Or you can buy something off of our Amazon wish list, which is also linked. So, of course, we greatly appreciate anyone who parts with their hard-earned money and gives some of it to us. But don't feel like you have to. Don't spend money you don't have. Uh, Any, even just likes and shares and retweets and reposts on social media help a ton. Mm -hmm. So, and that being said, hopefully, as you're listening this, this is. Episode has gone up in a reasonable time frame. I'm so sorry about last episode.
1: <laughs> we think the uh, master and the uh, celestial oh. train maker were up to well, some Well, the shenanigans. thing is,
0: is, the thing is, is I went, I went out of town for a few days so that Chauncey and could, uh, Chauncey and I could go to his work Christmas get together because that's always a good thing to. Uh-huh. to Especially when you work remotely at home, so you don't actually see people face to face that often. Um, so we had to fly down to Atlanta, and um, our hotel we had Wi-Fi at the hotel. It was very slow Wi-Fi, mm. and I use the Adobe stuff to do all my editing and everything. But to to free up space on my poor hard drive. I've switched to using Adobe via the cloud. Mm. Instead of actually having it downloaded on my machine. And when you've got very slow Wi-Fi, that's not very helpful. <laughs> so I did what I could between Wi-Fi at airports and my terrible Wi-Fi at the hotel. And then when we finally get home, back to my lovely, faster Wi-Fi here at home then adobe decided that it did not want to process Pretty the nice. episode oh, no. properly you know, i would sit i would sit there and i had it had edited everything put together and i went to render it out it would only render out a second
1: you got to be kidding
0: yes I'm like no there's way more than a second worth of material here. so yeah. i yeah so yeah, it was it was it was a whole thing, and I'm so sorry that it took so long for the episode to be released. But that should not happen again. Knock on wood. As long as Adobe cooperates. So yeah, <laughs> I don't have any plans on trying to use hotel and or airport Wi-Fi in the near future. So, um, that being said, uh, we will we are going to be off for the next two weeks anyway. So. <laughs> uh since uh christmas and new year's fall on mondays and uh Mm -hmm. we'd like everybody to have a chance to spend time with their family and stuff anyway eat all you want binge watch all you want um yeah spend time with friends spend time with family hopefully stay warm and dry where you are And a certain
1: appointment with a certain
0: doctor. Yes, we do have a Christmas appointment with a certain doctor, which, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That might be what we're talking about when we return. So, um, but until then, we hope everyone has a safe and happy rest of really the month and the year. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. that's where
1: we're at. That Hard is where we're, we're almost at the end of December already. Holy yep. cow. Yep. yep. Like I said, my birthday is in
0: two months. <laughs> so. <laughs> so everyone take care. Have fun. Yep. If you get really good nerdy stuff for Christmas, hey, post it and tag us. We'd love to see it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll share uh, some of the stuff we got when we return in two weeks. So... But until then, I guess we shall sign off not only for this week, but this month, and this year. That's really scary. Yes. <laughs> this,
1: is just,
0: this is Brittany Bodo saying goodnight. night.
1: This is Holly from Wisconsin saying good evening.
0: And this is Rachel in
1: Indianapolis, Indiana. Good night, everyone. Good night. Sleep tight.
0: Thank you for listening to the Five Ish Fangirls. Please visit thefiveishfangirls.com for details on how to further support the show, along with information on our nonprofit, Fangirls Give Back. We love our Five Ish fam and appreciate all of your feedback, shares, and encouragement. Remember to keep letting your geek flag fly.